2: The Breakdown Jamali Maddox With The Hook Just been back From the Edinburgh fringe For Got back yesterday night Here this morning uh, Got locked out Of my house Just today I mean last night So I had to sleep With my friend's sofa after I haven't slept in my own bed For a month Doing the comedy festival In Scotland But uh, my hair was looking rough Got a haircut today I'm feeling better um yeah I'm going I'm going to do too much talking I, I think I talk too much during the beginning of the podcast and I don't I don't want to hear my own fucking voice sometimes. So uh yeah today we've got uh, Reggie Yates on the podcast man. Uh he's and I I'm going to really be happy that he's here man cuz uh, he's a real busy dude. You know he's a filmmaker, he's a writer, he's a director, he's an actor, he's, he's everything. Uh you know, real real a multifaceted type of brother man. He's a good dude too man. I remember I met Reggie on his podcast. He asked me to do his podcast couple of months back and i met him and a uh, lovely guy and we actually have share a mutual friend called uh yemi and uh, yemi basically directed my uh hate thy neighbor series uh the second series on vice he done uh, all 10 episodes so i was i was with yemi for six months in america traveling across some of the worst towns or <laughs> well, we went to some bad places really boring places too man you know that's the thing about america though is uh the big cities are fun you know you go charlotte you know you go New York City, you go Miami, you go to the big big places, and it's fun. And when you end up in you know Boise, Idaho, it's a bit it's a bit shit. So uh, yeah, all right, man. We're H, Thank you. Thank you for coming. I know, I know, you're a busy, dude. Yeah,
1: thank you. No, you're no, no, always busy. It's good to be here, man. Yeah, it's good to
2: be busy. Yes. Yeah. i know know that's what what the I mean. weird thing, isn't it? it's like because you know. It's uh in 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 normal jobs it's like people get stressed out about busy. If I'm not busy, I'm stressed out. You know, I got 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 to stay busy.
1: I it's weird. Um, I like to be busy, uh-huh. but in my old age, I'm starting to really How enjoy. Do really? How would you think I am? I think I, th- <laughs> I, th- I th- do. You know, what? I want because the
2: way you said it. I think you're deep in the 30s. Yeah. But you're a bit, you're a bit, you, look, you You look after yourself. Thank you very much. The I hairline's still there. <laughs> and I've never seen it's Reggie with that hair out of place. I, if you look at Reggie's Instagram, <laughs> my man gets a fade with the scissors. <laughs> That's how you know it's serious. I've never caught a fade with a
1: scissor, you know. Um, I, I, I'm 35. You're 30? Okay. Yeah, but so I, you're mid 30s. Yeah, I'm mid-30s. And you look after yourself as well. I try to. I you feel like well. I could be, I do eat relatively well now. Uh, I have got a sweet tooth though. Yeah, me too. Um, I do feel like I'm in my mid-40s because I've been doing this mm. for so long. And from, you know, from the age of eight, I've been working. And when you're that old and your peers are people who are a lot older than you and, you mm-hmm. know, the people that you're on screen with, your mm-hmm. work buddies, if you will, are old enough to be your parents. Yeah. You kind of have to grow up quite quickly. I guess you have to adopt a more uh, mature attitude because
2: you're, you're, not, you're, not with your, you know, you're not with your own peer group in terms of age. You're with older people and they're not
1: going to put up with your, your adolescence. See, I, <laughs> I call it being prematurely grumpy, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. So I can have the, the grumpiness of a, a man in his 50s yeah. at the drop of a hat. And yeah. I think I've had that since I was a kid. So
2: you've be, you be, you been in show business eight years old?
1: Yeah, so nearly thirty Damn. years. Yeah, it's been a while. That's a long time in the showbiz. Yeah, it's it's weird because I don't.
2: So so is, is this been your? Sorry, sorry but Is this been your only job?
1: I've never done anything else. Wow. Yeah, so I started out at this little drama group in North London called Anna Shear Theatre, right? Yeah. And Anna Shear had this thing on the wall. Uh, that's it was the, in there's... the church. Uh, no, no, it's in a church now, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it yeah. used to be, It was. it is a charity and okay, it used to yeah. be in this sort of, um, it's beautiful building opposite the park, opposite mm. Barnard Park. Uh, but there was this uh, sign on the wall that said, there's no such thing as star or fame. And so, I, I instinctively whenever I hear show business or anything glitzy or whatever, mm. I just kind of tense up a little bit because mm. it doesn't feel like I'm part of that world and I've never really been a part of that world. You do, know? You, do you not feel part of the glitz and glamour
2: of uh, what show biz is? Because I think people do have a sort of misconception of what, because show biz is different to what I thought it was before I got into it. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying though? And it is that sort of misconception of what people think show biz is. That's why I feel bad for people who get into you know i can't really talk about comedy and maybe this is the same for presenting or you know for filmmaking right is when people get into it for pure fame hmm. and not because i go you don't know the thing you're actually getting into at all it's a job yeah it's not it's not you know and you might catch a break and be famous and uh, congratulations on that but Man, you know, there is a long road to- Bro, it's
1: weird. I, I, I don't look at it as show business. Mm. I don't look at it as the industry. It's just work. Mm. And that's the way that I've always seen it. So for me, it's, it's something that I, I'm, I'm privileged enough to enjoy. What I do, you know, I grew up around people that didn't enjoy work. Mm. And for me to be able to go to work and for it to not feel like a chore is a blessing, bro. Mm. But I've sort of got to the point now where enjoying what I do is sort of level one. Level two is fulfillment, you know? Mm. So to do stuff that I care about, to do stuff stuff that represents an, uh, a legacy of of some sort of value, that's kind of where I am now. And what's the value like well, that you're trying to have fulfillment for?
2: Fulfillment for everyone else is different. So what, yeah. in terms of your um, manifestation of
1: fulfillment, mm. what, what what is that legacy you feel? Well, it's creating content that, that actually means something, creating mm. content of scale, creating content that I believe can affect change. Mm. And. You're not going to do that with a Saturday night entertainment show. Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, it's fun to and you be. Get a good check, but it's it, fun it, it, to it, get it, the big it, it, bucks it, it, and it, to wear yeah. the suit, but and to get the fresh cut before you walk out and all of it. That's mm. great. Um, but really, when people look back, what have you actually done? Great, you've provided a level of entertainment, but what have you shifted? Mm. What have you changed? And as a as a black guy in this mm. in this industry. There's not really many black guys, so I understand the role that I fulfil, yeah. and I also understand the role that I could fulfil versus the one I want for myself, which I feel I've created.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is a. Do you, do you feel? Do you feel that certain point of not necessarily pressure, but do you feel pressure or responsibility, which is different of pressure? Pressure responsibility. is overwhelming. Because yeah, pressure is overwhelming. I think yeah. pressure is the wrong word, but do you do you feel like a sort of sense of like a strong responsibility of if you're going to be a, a black man in this industry mm. or in this job or where, you know wherever we want to call it yeah that that comes with a certain amount of level of you know being portrayed in a certain way because i think that's you know I think we can relate on that sort of sense of i try to be and i've got it wrong at times i'm not you know i'm not perfect we all have and one i've one got one. it wrong you know what i mean mm. but there's a certain sense of i have to double think about how i'm being portrayed because i don't feel it's just me being betrayed i'm putting it onto a thing that's going to be seen by people And it's like, even though I don't have this sort of idea of what I do is that influential,
1: but you know, it's influential in a way. Give yourself some credit, but honestly, so long as you are part of a minority Mm. in an industry, you aren't just speaking for yourself. Mm. And that was something I learned quite early on. I sort of rejected the idea of being a role model as a teenager because I would have mum stop me in the street and say, my son's been watching you since you were a kid and we love the fact that you're out there and you're a great role model for him. And in my head, I'm thinking, his dad should be his role model, not me. Mm. But whether you like it or not, people are going to look at you and they're going to be either inspired by what you do for better or for worse. Yeah. They're going to want to emulate it for better or for worse. So whether you like it or not, you have a relationship with people that you will never see. Yeah. And that was something that I learned, thankfully, quite early on.
2: It is that And it is that, that thing of, it's that uh, strange sort of thing, dimension, of like say you know like you said and I do agree with you it should be your parents that are your role models but when we live in a time and place where it isn't
1: no. <laughs> it is it no. is
2: the person on the box yeah. so I guess you do have to sort of adopt that certain way of
1: on you know, some level it's always been that way you know, mm. even when we were kids, you'd look at, the, you'd look at Michael Jordan and say, I mm. want to be him. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately for us, there weren't really that many British black people no. that we could look at and point to, but there were a ton of African-Americans. Yeah. So you might say, I want to be crisscross Cross, or I want to be Fresh Prince, mm. or I want to be this Who person you or that want to person. Be? I want to be Fresh Prince. You want to be Fresh Prince, Who didn't yeah. want to be Will Smith? Nah, I wanted I want to, want to be... Uh... You wanted to be Chuck D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah.
2: to be Flavor. No. <laughs> There's a place in Shoreditch, right? And they used to have, like, it was like a cafe, bar, and art gallery. Right. And there was this girl who had, or dude, I don't know, but she had, like, they had painted, like, and this was before the thing came out. And they had painted, and it was covered, all the walls were covered in Bill Cosby photos, like, paintings. So this girl must have been spent, <laughs> I think it was a woman, and she must have spent, like, months painting, like, hundreds oh. of, to sell. And then the controversy came <laughs> out <laughs> Yo, you're stuck God. with hundreds of paintings of people who, if they do want it, they're the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to sell to those people. If you sell out of those paintings, For real.
1: you fucked up. It's like, someone who, it's, like,
2: it's like someone who still has a Rolf Harris painting yeah. and they were holding on to it. Like, oh, yo, this is going to be worth some
1: money and then boy, I was up. at a dinner. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't tell this story. My Rolf no Harris names. story is probably... Yeah, no names. <laughs> I can't tell No Rolf names. I was no no oh, just going to say, I was sat next to Rolf Harris at a dinner but I won't say who was responsible <laughs> for the dinner or what happened, but let's just say, it was I have a story, yeah. insert story here. Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, for yeah, the best, don't tell it. But the point is, if you have a relationship with one of these people yeah. who have come out to be someone who was heartbreaking yeah. in terms of their behavior behind the scenes, what do you do? Because I was DJing um, over the weekend and someone asked me to play R Kelly Vibe. Yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, sick. That, oh, yeah, that will yeah, mix yeah, perfectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you go to put it on and you go, ah. Yeah, it's
2: because the thing is, as well, it is strange. Of he, he is one of the few people where, I mean, well, I guess it's because he got not guilty. I mean, we're not going to debate the guilt of it. I think he did it. <laughs> where, well, but it's like, yeah, you there's know, a video. there's a video, right? you know, but it's that strange thing of, because there's a, I'm not going to say the, fuck it, the pub, Dolphins, right, in Hackney, right. They got that rule where every half an hour they play arcade. I think they still do have that. But every anyway, half an hour? Yeah, it's like an arcade. That's like the thing they did at this pub. And I don't know if they still do it. Jesus. But it's just like you do go, yeah, he's one of the few dudes where people just kind of went,
1: yeah. And It a, is a very... Um strange thing of how we deal with sort of guilt but artistry at the same time yeah right? and it's, go still, it's like that Chappelle routine isn't it in his last special when he talks about Bill Cosby he yeah, rakes yeah. but he saves and yeah. it's like it's a very <laughs> dangerous it's a dangerous <laughs> it's a thing a dangerous territory to yeah, take a uh, comedy Ger- to Ger-
2: Ger- Gerard Carmack had a bit that was even like more dark man he starts going um you know, I watched that new Robot cup film. Terrible film. Terrible. But uh, it was so bad, I forgave Woody Allen. <laughs> he just got mad. But you know, it's, it's com- comedy supposed to go there, but we're not going to get into that. I love Joe um, Carmack. You know Spike Lee directed that Yeah, special. that's a cold special, yeah, man. Really that good. first one, Love. Mm. Love at the Comedy Store. That's a cold special, yeah,
1: He's man. good, man. He's yeah. really good. You're a, you're, a, you're a big comedy fan. Massive, yeah. I Always but, have been. Uh, you know, I did stand up.
2: You told me, and you never told me the whole story, and I want to hear the story. So, is that the comedy store? All I know is that the comedy store.
1: Jonathan Ross hosting. Yeah. So it's always bizarro world. I was thirteen. So f- <laughs> yeah. I did the comedy store when I was thirteen, and um, there kill? was. Did I kill?
2: Yeah, I you're think people right.
1: were nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> people, gave you a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, was nice. Cool. Cool. It that's was cool. it was like this young comedian thing uh, that I think Fanta did. Okay. I entered this massive young comedian of the year thing, and I made it to the final. And the final was what? at Comedy Store, where Jonathan so, was hosting.
2: Damn! So, so did you? So, you done more? Part me, you done more than one set then to yeah. get to the final? sets yeah. Did you
1: do? I don't even. I was a kid. I'm, yeah. I was thirteen. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I was doing so many different things at that time. Yeah. Like I was, I was presenting Disney Club at the time, and okay. it was just something that happened that came out. And my management, um, at the time told me about it and I just went and I just stood up and tried to make people laugh in the way that uh-huh. my heroes did. You did know? you win? No, I didn't. Yeah. I got to the final okay. and the kid that won, we don't see him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just Who's saying. That? Who's that guy? I don't know what happened to that guy. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I thought I was good. Like yeah, I, I, I remember telling silly jokes about my yeah. grandfather and like yeah. him coming over you, to England. Have you
2: always been that type of dude where someone just says to you like, do the thing or try this thing and then you sort of just go, yeah. Um, have you ever been a hesitant person I mean, to start at eight and then you know sort of perform and mm. have you always been that sort of person where
1: you're just like yeah I'll do it um not because I've been told to mm. I've uh, without realizing for a long time I've sort of listened to my gut mm. if it feels like something I should do I'll do it and generally my gut hasn't been wrong in mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. so yeah I- I'll sort of find things that I'm interested in and try and and try it out mm. now i kind of know what i'm good at what i'm not so good mm-hmm. at and i'm focused on the things that really matter to me you know? do, wait, so when you because you the latest things you do is the docs yeah which you made some
2: you made some killer docs man thank you sir uh, i love the the russia extreme one i uh, do, do you know what my favorite doc is i are Go gonna i want to talk more about it is the one where you've done the, the the preacher in south africa <laughs> yeah, yeah that for me is one of my favorite docs because i think it sort of added a new level of um um, um, how can I put it there was a level of honesty in that doc mm. which is hard to achieve yes you know because I think when people make docs and I mean I've, well, I've made some docs and it's hard to achieve that level of honesty because you're still trying to maintain a relationship with the with the because per- you got because people don't understand you're trying to work multi where you say, okay I've got to maintain relationship. a lot of works off the camera of still trying to keep the guy engaged and not scare him out and you know doing but just how much that guy pissed you off and it was honest yeah. and it was so and he and he was pushing your buttons. Massively. I learned a lot about myself you know, while making and it. And he was know. selling sugar that was blessed and all this mad stuff. Selling, mad selling stuff. blessed and, tampons and, and, and bro. Blessed tampons and, and yeah. the, but you could see that there was some backstory with you which I love most about that film. And I think that was my favourite film because there was Thank some you. backstory with you where you've you know whatever your relationship is religion and why your relationship's like that with religion and, and how this person kind of manifested the most uh, um, um, sort of Bad, bad part of religion in terms of you know Christian preaching mm-hmm. is that it's the worst part. It's that sort of prosperity preacher shit, where it's that you know you can be blessed, but up from my pocket, mm. you know. And 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 how you know sort of and how he was sort of just like t- sort of taking shots at your clothing and and the this and the that and how you don't respect. And it was just it was such a good doc, man. No,
1: I appreciate that, man. I mean, I, I learned a lot about myself while making that film uh-huh. because uh, I was pushed in a way mm-hmm. where uh, I nearly lost the contributor. Yeah. And as someone who makes films yourself, you know that the story is more important than you. And that was something that I had to learn the hard way on that. And in faced in being faced with the the potential of the film not finishing, uh, and me completely losing my um, contributor, I had to sort of check my ego and say, hang on a second, this isn't actually about me. This is about delivering content that speaks to the issue that we're trying to discuss. So Uh shut your mouth, step back, Uh and allow this guy to be himself in his truth as opposed to challenging him at every opportunity, Uh which is what I was doing. So in giving the story and the contributor room to breathe, I had to take a step back and sort of put my ego to one side and we ended up getting a great film as a result do you, so, so you start the film when at what point do you think fuck I'm
2: losing this contributor it was quite early on with him early because on. yeah he, he I'm talking about in terms of not in terms of the film I know in the film but I'm saying in terms of actual filming day when did you start losing this
1: dude? Oh, um, it was early on. It was like, yeah, two <laughs> or three days in. What? It wasn't, yeah, no, straight up That's because joke. he is uh, an African man in every sense of the word. And for anybody that doesn't know or isn't related to a very traditional African man, you may not be aware that respect is everything same with west indian culture you know you hear people saying time, i disrespect don't disrespect me don't disrespect me that is because that is one of the highest forms of insult you can give somebody from that culture and so for an african man who is the leader of a church and the leader of a congregation of Mm. of Of a community five to ten thousand people for me to not respect him in the way that these thousands of people do Mm. makes no sense for Mm. him to look at me and no yeah I'm British and yeah I'm a reporter journalist or whatever mm. I am presenter whatever I am in that in that context but I'm wearing a dirty pair of vans some cut off shorts and you know mm. a t-shirt mm. he looks at me and thinks they've not sent their best mm. they've not sent their number one news guy mm. they clearly don't think I'm as important as I actually am mm. you know so for him he felt disrespected from the jump when he saw this kid in trainers Asking him mm. questions and challenging yeah, him, yeah, he won't pack straight up. Mm. So when I put a shirt on and I shaved, suddenly he was like, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. you're taking me seriously." Do, do, do you know? But do you
2: know what I liked most about it is? And I understand, you know, and the people that, people listening don't probably don't understand about you know having to maintain uh, the ego because people be like, "Why can't you say because it's not that easy?" Mm. <laughs> you know, and people at home don't understand that, or people listening on the train or wherever the fuck you're listening. It's um, what I liked most about that is you coming in the jeans and coming in the trainers is the fact of I think sometimes when you're doing a film and how they react to you is is telling the story right. because it shows them. For what they really are and how yeah. they react in situations, because me and you can have a conversation and you can you can you know blow smoke up my ass all day, but when you're confronted with that thing and he shows who he really is and it shows the ridiculousness of it, mm. like you're just wearing shorts and tra- and trainers and he's like, this is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. You go, mm. that's crazy. But it was because also because man. Man. it was also because I was challenging him. Mm-hmm. No, and no, no there was that as well. Yeah. There wasn't that, but I'm saying it's the little things of just like that little nuance of that he would get upset by that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just to play that out, and it's that's that's what I liked about it because it, it that, and it was that thing of you know, and it is telling your stories. So or even though there is, and it's that hard conflict. I find the conflict when I'm making a film of how much of it is me, and how much of it is that their, their, how much of it is the, is them and their story, and how much of it is me and my opinions. Because mm-hmm. a lot of time is you know when I was making my films, the big conflict I had with people was like I'm not giving my opinion on this. Why? Because it doesn't matter what I think. It's for the people at home to decide, and it's for this person to tell you. And sometimes you have to give your opinions because you are the journey person. But I think I think you hit a nice balance with that. I mean, I'm, I wasn't on the actual location, so I don't know the ins and outs.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it comes down to um, understanding the role that you play mm. before you even get on camera mm. and being at peace with the fact that it's not actually about you, it's about the issue. And the issue is something that you get to and you arrive at through the through the the prism of the people you meet. Mm. And yes, your personal experiences and your connection to the subject matter may get you there in in a, in, a, in a different way and in an authentic way. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the B story to the A story mm-hmm. of the people that you meet. Mm. That just adds extra source to mm. the meat of the the, the film, story. which is the people. So I've learned that the hard way. I've got it wrong a mm. few times, yeah. and now I think I've, I've hit a stride where. Um, I'm able to put myself enough in the background and give enough of myself when necessary mm. to tell the story in a real way, and also justify my my, my reason for being there because I'm not a journalist, so yeah. I need to sort of justify my my opinion. I think and, me just and you are the same in that we've done docs, but we are not journalists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, not, it's it's cool though. I think yeah, that's wicked. It's all right. I think mean it's it's it's, a, it's 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 you are the voice of the man on the couch. You know what I
2: think? You know, just to touch quickly on what you said just there i mm. think you know what it's weird of it being not a filmmaker and not a journalist i just consider myself just a curious person straight up who's been given yeah. the opportunity but getting it wrong when i've got it wrong in films and i've done it wrong and i see the result of it that there's something that hits me more than when i get something wrong in, in a comedy show you know what I'm saying though, why? just I I don't know what it is, but there's something about getting it wrong in a doc where like I've I've asked the wrong question there, or I've pushed this person too hard, or I haven't pushed this person hard enough. There's something about when I make a doc, when I get it wrong, it's more disturbing to me than is it than, because uh, maybe well, I'm mean, putting no, this to you. No, is no. it because the subject matter matters to you in a different way? Maybe it is. I I, I still haven't uh, internalized it to why, but there's yeah. something about the and I think as well is I think it's kind of uh, injustice because. You know, one of the things I don't, it, which is hard with filmmaking, is the idea. And I know it's just criticism, but it's when people say, "Oh, you fucked that person over," and I go, "Well, no, that's just what he said," <laughs> and we showed it. That's not, you know. But there is that certain thing of I do, even the people I disagree with the most, and I, and I have vehemently different opinions with. You know, I try not to actually fuck them over. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's important for me to try and get that balance. But it is hard, man. It's a hard, especially filmmaking is a totally different world, man.
1: Yeah, I think the. There is a lot of truth in giving people the space to be themselves, mm. and that's the thing that I've had to learn the hard way. You know, when someone is saying something particularly offensive, you have to pick your moments as to mm. when to challenge them because mm. they are who they are. You're not mm. going to change them in a conversation. No, no, no. So, giving them the opportunity to show who they truly are and to be their true self mm. and say the offensive and shocking things is is one part of it. But what I'm interested in is the why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all met racist people. the what. We've the all why. met sexist people. We've all yeah. met homophobes, but. Why are you the way that you are? And that's where you suddenly get some interesting yeah. content. And well, that's, that's what, where you find out what makes them an individual. Yeah, That's why I say it's not the what they're saying. It's the why they're saying it. Because it's the what's
2: is sensationalism. Do, 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 would you say filmmaking is your... Because is your, before you were saying, just to bring it back to what you were saying before, in terms of you sort of gone through these different... Because man- you've done acting... You know, you've done presenting, like on Top of the Pops and, Mm. you know, all these these different types of shows. And then now you're doing the filmmaking and you've done writing, Rustamouth. I didn't know for a long time that was you, you know. (laughs) That that show was big too, (laughs) Rustamouth. That was big up for you for Rustamouth. And um, all these things. And it's like, do you feel like now this is the lane? No.
1: Now? No, no, what, no, no, no. Um, what well, mind? I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of mixtape. <laughs> no, I did that. I did that. Before. <laughs> you have a mixtape. Yeah, I did it no! all. No, <laughs> you're not a liar like, oh, to bye. me. My bro, I was on that. Bro, listen, before. you know that's my new jingle for this podcast. That's it's Reggie J's yeah. mixtape. I hope you give me the license. hilarious. So pre uh, one extra, I was on pirate. I was on of Fem. So I was on the same station as Heartless Crew and what? Dream Team. Did and you just there, and all you spit? Of... Yeah, yeah. So when did you? When did what? That we have to get into this very, very, very much unless you don't want to talk about it. but How did you spit for? Long time. My dad's a musician. Yeah, I was making music for years. I was producing for a little while. Um, I was in a group. We like played Napa. We played Malia. Whoa. We did all the islands. Was on Pirates. And how old so were you at this point? Uh, okay, 17. Okay. So you're really about. enjoying it. Yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was on Taste FM in South. I was on Freak of in North in Finsbury Park. And um, uh, we were doing all the raves. We were doing all the clubs. And oh. it was I was an MC and I sometimes dj And then... Um, I started making music and then I turned down a record deal and turned on a product. Uh, you turned um, down a record deal. Yeah, turned on a publishing you deal. Your record deal. Let's not get into okay, that. Okay, okay. But I turned down a publishing deal, and a record deal when I was no, no. Oh, forgive me. God, to show my age. I turned on a publishing deal. Okay we, were, okay. we were talking about the record deal, but I, I had an offer. I had two offers uh-huh. on my publishing deal when I was 22, 23 okay. and you know I made like over two hundred songs and yeah. I was ready to do something. But uh, God, God rest his soul, um, an amazing guy called Richard Antry, who's a, a music lawyer. He was my music lawyer. He like, uh, Adele called me when she, cause I met Adele on MySpace and Adele yeah. hit me up. She was looking for a lawyer and I sent her to Richard. He did Adele's deal. He did yeah. Mr. Hudson. He did a bunch of people. Yeah. So Richard. The deal Entry. was bad. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he came through to me and it uh-huh. was good deal. It was good money. It was amazing people. People are still friends with yeah. now. And he basically said to me, right, for you to do this, you're going to have to step away from TV for a year. And at the time I was, I think I was doing Doctor Who, Top of the Pops, and one extra okay and he was like you got to step away from all of that for a year to do this properly uh, to record it to tour it to promote it and i was like well i've been doing this for like going on 15 you years built I, a lot of stuff yeah i was like i don't know if i if i want to." And he was like okay think about it and so uh, i put a fork in it and i stepped away Alan and then i think you still decided to put a fork in that it was a night a night yeah i just slept on it and you know, it's work... a big
2: thing to walk away from, man.
1: It is and it isn't.
2: Well, I mean, I, it is a big thing, but you also did have that thing. I guess, is it, is it because you had built so much and to step
1: away from it? It's yeah, like... I think even at that age, I realized that I had a really unique opportunity to to just shift perception, to do something mm. that never been done. You know, I was the youngest presenter at Top of the Pops at the time. I was the only black guy presenting the program. Yeah. I was, you know, one of the youngest people at 1X. I was, I was on Doctor Who, which is, you know, it's a behemoth in itself. Mm. I was doing, really cool stuff and stuff Stabling that I never thought I would have been, yeah, yeah, stuff that I never thought I would have ever achieved and at that point, I thought, shit, what's next? If mm. I keep doing this, where is this going to go? Whereas if I do the music thing, I'm just another rapper mm. and we all know how that can go. Yeah. So I decided to actually focus on the thing that I'd given over a decade to at that point and, and here we are. Yeah, you know? we, did. we worked out. <laughs> it kind of did. It's not, it's not like a sad story. It's no, not like no, I'm going to no. go like, fuck, oh, poor Reggie, man. <laughs> exactly. You should, have now- took that, you should have took that deal, man. <laughs> now I've got a serious drug problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, so to to answer your, um, your previous question about is documentaries where I wanted to end up? Mm. No, I didn't see this coming and mm. I didn't posi- imagine that I'd be here. The truth is I always thought I'd be a filmmaker, just not this kind of filmmaker. So writing and directing is something that I've done for a long time quite quietly. And um, I made sure four short films, and um, I'm in the process of finalizing my first feature film script yeah, that's been commissioned. It's very exciting, and the, the the we should be shooting next summer. That's you the
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I'll be directing wow. it as well. And um, I just sold, um, I don't want to jinx it, but I've just sold uh, a comedy drama uh, in the States, oh, which great, is really exciting. Great, great. So I'm taking the, the, the network, i'm having those network conversations fairly imminently so yeah i mean writing and directing is something that i've always done but i've just not really spoken about it because it's been my own thing and it's only now that it's real Mm. that i'm really talking about it and what is it about the directing you like it's the most creatively fulfilling thing i've ever done along with writing to me they're one and the same Mm. i mean i I wouldn't be uh, as i wouldn't call myself an author, I feel like a wanker calling myself that, but it's the author um, mm-hmm. theory. Well, you, you know? just did, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's that thing. Well, no, it's, it's that thing of seeing an idea out. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like for me, there is nothing more fulfilling than having an idea in, like, just uh, walking down the street, having a poo, washing the mm-hmm. dishes, having something pop into your head, and then six months later, being on a set with a hundred people asking you questions, and they're all there for you and this idea that you had mm-hmm. that you could have thrown away, mm-hmm. but instead you actually wrote something, and you know, I'm not. I'm not really interested in a passer. So everything that I write mm. and everything that I, I I create, I feel has some sort of value and potentially has some level of impact to it. Mm. So to be able to create something that can actually affect change is a huge thing for me. Mm. So um, as someone who was an actor for years, you are Pinocchio. You're mm. saying somebody else's words. You're being lit in the way that suits somebody else. Mm. You're being directed, your performance is being crafted by someone else. Mm. Think about that. Mm. Your performance, somebody else is shaping in their vision. Fuck that. Mm. For me, what is way more um, uh, way more important is seeing out an idea. Being Geppetto is far more powerful. Do, do you feel honest now? Yeah, I mean, I've never felt dishonest but i feel that i'm walking in my truth in a way that i never have done mm. and to be able to uh, actually execute ideas that i think are valuable as opposed to executing what somebody else thinks is of value or timely or important mm. you know i'm about to make a documentary on on black hollywood mm. and you know i'm making a film about some of the loudest creative voices in the world right now are African Americans who are existing underneath the governance of Trump. Mm. Like, how does that even happen? You know, we all know what happened with the Harlem Renaissance. Is this yeah. gonna crash in the same way? Yeah. To make that film and to have the BBC say we want to see that film from you, it's amazing. Mm. And then to get my bridge to direct yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's such Big a Yemi. it's a blessing. Big Yemi Bam. Mm. It is a, a director who you've worked yeah, with on yeah, on, great. on Hate Thy Half Neighbor. A Black brother. It's, a, it's an incredible incredible creative more yeah. than anything. So. For me to be in that position where I'm blessed enough and being given those opportunities is huge for me. Mm. Um so yeah, I, I think that there is far more power and far more potential in being the person who creates the content as opposed to being the mouthpiece of somebody else's mm. ideas.
2: Yeah, I guess because there's there is that thing of having a thought in your mind and then it manifesting itself into something in actuality and something real and something, you know and potentially something that you um it, like you said, make an impact. But when when did when did that idea come up? Because you keep on, you keep, you, you know, we keep on coming back to impact and, mm. and this sort of notion of um, making difference and sort of using your creative and using your art to actually have yeah. something of substance. Because and and, and, and and you know, it's not even to diss the other stuff. Because look, sometimes you know, like listen, I love watching Spike Lee's Malcolm X. But then sometimes you to watch them Love Island. Do you know what I'm saying? You got you got to switch off from the world. <laughs> yeah. I made sixteen episodes on racism. Sometimes I want to watch so those cheaters. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I can't, I can't. You know what I'm saying? But you know, absolutely, it, there's, there's room for both. And I think people yeah. people get too bogged down in one or the other. Yeah. And everything exists in this world. That's what makes the world great. So people out there don't fucking they you know. I don't know these people gonna start tweeting. Listen, don't tweet me or g about this shit. But but yeah. So when when did this sort of idea come of like, look, you know
1: what? I need to start making something that has something else. I, I to can't it. nail it down to it one particular moment, moment but mm. there are several instances. I'll, I'll share a couple of with you. Um, one was, and God bless her, she doesn't even know the impact of it. I bumped into a girl that I used to go to primary school with, mm. a girl called Nadia, who lived just on us, who lived on the same road as me, Liverpool Road in, in North London, Island. And um, Nadia and I hadn't seen each other for years, and she just, uh, and I come. Where was we? We was at a, a Stormzy gig. In, um, in Isla and he played and mm-hmm. um, yeah, his, his, his people asked me to come down and it was early doors and it was wicked and it was lovely to be there for Mike and all the rest of it and she bumped into me and she was like Reg, Reg I've, I've seen a bunch of your films and I've not seen you in years I'm just leaving but I just wanted to say you found your purpose and I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you kissed me on the cheek and bounced and I stood there for like 10 ah, minutes holding orange juice, juice, juice like, like yeah, 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 <laughs> oh what that's kind of heavy I don't yeah, know yeah, if I'm ready for this yeah. purpose talk but it was really beautiful and it was a really lovely thing. And the other moment that sort of led me down this thought path, if you will, was when, um, uh, I made a documentary about being young black and gay mm-hmm. while black and ethnic minority and gay, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So we, we had, um, young, uh, Muslim Pakistani you boys went to the nightclub. Yes. Cause I remember in that film, people were like really
2: hiding from the camera straight up. That was the most, pa- sorry, sorry to cut you off in your, le- Mm. Line, of, line of thought there But I just have to just mention I remember what really struck me about Because that film was like One of the early films right ish, of, Yeah Ish yeah. Right? Yeah. I do Dream remember Yeah I remember it's people It's like, on Netflix now If you ne- want to see it <laughs> Catch on Netflix, on Netflix. <laughs> God damn right Catch on Netflix <laughs> But it was how people Run away from the camera mm. And how Do you know what I'm saying That's what really made that film Like damn for
1: me Yeah You know what I'm saying That moment It's those little moments Like people like Well we went to this uh, This gay club night uh, at Scala and King's Cross, which mm. I've been to a million and one times for different parties and gigs it? and all the rest of it. But I'd never been there under those circumstances. Mm. And to see goons walking in, mm. full tracksuit, do-rag, like beanie, walking in, seeing the camera, pulling the hood over their head and running out of the way, it was like, mm. whoa, okay, mm. this is this is who you truly are. Mm. But you're not ready to share no. that with the world yet. You're not ready to share that with anyone. It was, it was mind-blowing. So anyway, we made this film and the reason I wanted to make it uh, was because because of somebody else's story i won't, it's not my story to tell but a family member of mine someone who i love dearly came out as gay mm-hmm. and they were really scared that they would be judged mm-hmm. for their sexuality and it broke my heart in a lot of ways so in talking to to them uh, talking to him a lot about it i realized that you know for a young gay person to come out is difficult mm. but a, a young gay african to come out Mm. With all of the religious hangups we have, yeah, with all yeah. of the cultural yeah. sort of steers that we have, it's flipping hard. Yeah, right? it's not. I, I, I don't. Um, I don't
2: envy that position at all. Straight up. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I um I decided to make a film on it, mm. and I was really disappointed with the film if I'm honest with you. Because Why? I feel like we could have done more. I felt like there was more to the story that we could have said. And what I thought is neither here nor there because the point I'm trying to make is that I allowed my ego to get in the way of the way I felt about the film. Yeah, so yeah, as yeah. the credits rolled, um. I did what I always do when I checked social media to see what people thought unfiltered. Mm-hmm. And between uh, Snapchat, Insta and Twitter, I got, I think it was six or seven messages that all echoed the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that was, I sat down with my parents to watch this. And by the time the credits came on, I came out to them Shit. because of what we were saying and what we mm-hmm. felt during the making of this film, mm-hmm. during the watching of the film. And for me, that was like a real wake up call that, the content that I am making can actually do something for mm. someone. Mm. It's literally changed those people's lives. And yeah, you might say, okay, cool. Two million people watched and six people the felt show, affected no, by no, it. No, yeah. It's To me, that six people is huge. Mm. So there wasn't any one moment, but mm. it was... Mo- I've had several moments like that in my life where people have sort of stopped me and said, okay, what you're doing is, is important, mm-hmm. keep doing it. Mm. Um, and that just, you know, puts everything into perspective for me. So when, you know, I talk about writing and directing film or TV, I'm talking about drama, I'm talking about comedy, all of it, in my humble opinion, has the potential to do that in a different, in a different way. Mm. So that's what I, I feel I've, all of these opportunities are built up towards. Do you ever oh, doing any other stuff, like the acting? Uh, no. Because like, you ain't acting for a minute, right? Yeah, the, last, mean, thing, th- the last thing I did was, uh, it was Idris Elba's first directing Gig. So Idris is a mentor of mine. Mm. Um, he and I have like a cool relationship. He put me with it, taught me to his management. So they look after my writing and directing. And at the time they were looking after my acting. So he put me in the first thing he directed called Pavement Psychologist mm-hmm. where I paid Anna Thrill's assistant and Nonzo was in. It was great and it was a cool thing to do. But that was six years ago, yeah, five yeah. years ago, something like that. And I knew that it wasn't um, where I wanted to be. Yeah. Because as an actor, I never really cared enough. Truth yeah. be told yeah. I was crapping auditions Because I couldn't retain lines yeah. Because I always struggled With other people's writing yeah. It didn't feel like It had the rhythm of speech Oh Reggie You ain't never seen my auditions bro. <laughs> You wanna see a bad audition
2: fam? <laughs> I'll get you some tapes bruv. I've got like Yo I'm in this one film Yeah, I'm not gonna say The name of this film And when I tell you My acting You gotta tell us that. Come on Nah nah tell I'll tell you I ain't telling these These animals out there <laughs> When I tell you My acting in there Is just like uh, Give me the, the money th- Now What like, was your part I was what, street thug, street <laughs> thug four. No, oh I was like, I had a, yeah. No, I was um, I was one of the goons, and it was in this short film. And oh my god, I was ter- like, I've just never had that um, you know, penance in terms of it. the only acting I've ever done as well is you know, improvised acting. Right, right. Just more just, I
1: feel with stuff. with acting, you have to care because people can tell if you don't care about the craft, mm. it comes out. Mm-hmm. And I, I Nothing did for a little while. Acting. Yes, yeah. I, I I did for a while and. I think the minute I stopped caring and the minute I stopped investing in it, the my my craft it, it just it mm. fell through the floor, and I found far more fulfillment in writing and/or mm. directing and working with actors now. I love because I'm able to give the direction that I never received. You still do the um, you still do the presenting. It's weird because some people would say the documentaries I present, but I don't think I, think, I do. I, I, see, I, I, I think it's I, different. I, I
2: think the, prese- I see, I class the documentary, and this is just me, yeah, I'm this, you know, who the fuck am I? But I'd say that is filmmaking and yeah. that's documentary
1: making. When I say present, I mean like. See, I, I think the role that I, I and I'd say the same for you in some of your mm-hmm. films, I see myself as a complicit contributor, mm-hmm. right? I'm aware of the process, mm-hmm. but I am part of the process. Mm-hmm that's not a presenter. Mm. I don't talk down the lens. I talk to my director and we have a conversation. Mm. So whenever I work with a new director, which is rare these days because I have the people that I like to work with. We, whenever I work with a new director, I tell them like, we need to talk. Mm. We need to have a conversation. That will be the dialogue. Ask me questions. Don't just put the camera on me and go, so what do you think? Mm. That's not, it's conversational I think the minute that you're having a conversation with the audience with your director you're basically having a conversation with a man on the couch Mm -hmm. and that's the person that I'm trying to speak to at all times regardless of the level of content Mm. but when I'm in prison I mean like the total pop stuff or the I think I'm kind of done yeah yeah I think I'm done with that stuff I mean it's it's great Mm. and I've I've really enjoyed it I think it's it's project dependent you know if it's the right thing then maybe but I just get so much out of the factual stuff you know to To be given in, the opportunity, I appreciate you that. To appreciate be given the opportunity to do something like Grenfell that means so much, yeah. you know, to make a film like that. that would be a powerful film, that's still. Yeah. yeah thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be, to make a, to be given the opportunity to do that, that requires. I mean, I'm being handed a lot of responsibility there, not just by the B, but by, uh, you know, I, I'm giving a platform to the the residents, mm-hmm. to the people directly affected by. What happened? That's
2: a hard. That's a that's a very um, that's a hard subject story to tell because a, a a it's not you know it's not your story yes it's their story and it's not your it's not your tragedy it's their tragedy and plus it's like it could be so easily misrepresented and it's and it's a and, it's a, and as well it's,
1: it's easy to kick people while they're down yeah because it's such a you know what happened there is is which fucked is why, know, they, which is why what yeah. happened there is fucked which and is why I was adamant about it not being a political film it was a yeah. film about the people and it was yeah. a film about how they how they dealt with what happened that night mm. and how they're trying to rebuild their lives and move forward. And mm. also to reflect the fact that it was global, you know, affected mm. people all around the world. Yeah. And to actually give a face to some of those names and 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 portraits on the memorial wall, that was what we were trying to mm. do. There were lots of other films that did incredible things mm. that that spoke to a lot of the issues that we didn't touch on. Mm. But I, I'm old enough and ugly enough to know what I'm not good at, dude. Mm. So I just focus on what I, I know I'm great at and I say I know I'm great. I know I'm. I'm getting better and at you all the say time. Great. It's all right. No, no, no. I, I genuinely, I feel that I've got to a level with mm-hmm. it, and I feel like I'm getting stronger with it. And mm-hmm. that is being able to uh, give people a platform and to to, to be themselves mm-hmm. and to genuinely express themselves in a very real way. Yeah, it sounds like you invested in it, which uh, yeah. is which is the. The crux of anything to
2: be good is investment. Yeah. You, you, you said you DJ as well. Sorry to, yeah. so just to, to, to talk about purpose of life, <laughs> DJ. No, uh, because I want it because that's because it's spoke to about DJ. So, what type of what what
1: cause I know you DJ, but what music do you DJ? I never actually asked. I you play what it's, it's difficult because I got asked that question all the club time. Bangers? <laughs> is that what the kids are calling it now? The club <laughs> bangers. I, I get asked all the time, What sort of music do you like? Yeah, I like. It's it's a really ambiguous and annoying answer. I like good music. Yeah. yeah. So again, it's very personal because it's quite dude as well, isn't it? Completely. I grew up on that, but at the same time, you know, I grew Mm. up. My mum used to keep this ghetto blaster above the cooker Mm. that was covered in every kind of oil and every kind of food splatter you can think of because it was fixed there, and she used to listen to the Pirates when she would cook. Um. So she would jump from WNK and yeah. Choice FM when they were pirates and Kiss when they were pirates yeah. to some of the commercial stations. So I grew up on a diet of uh, pop stuff like Whitney Houston and The Police and you know Talking Heads and at the same time we were listening to Maxi Priest and Shabar and Maxie whatever else was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, right and then we were also listening to Jungle we were listening to yeah. whatever else was going on because we would bounce between commercial yeah. stations and the pirates. So my musical taste has always been broad. Yeah, And what do I like? I just like good music. So yeah. I like to blend stuff in tempos. If you're at 130 BPM, I could play, I don't know, I could play anything from the OJs right the way through to a UK garage record. Yeah. It's about if it blends and if it feels right, that's what so I'll you 35, So you must have been around the garage time. Bro, garage is your era, isn't it? That's my life, bro. Yeah, That's yeah, like a special yeah. moment. For me. I just put up a UK garage mix a couple of oh, days ago hey. on my
2: SoundCloud. Come on, my, my pops was, uh, my dad was the original type of dude. He had a go tooth. It's wicked. And he had the dreads on the top, <laughs> shave on the sides, and he was a jungle dude. Oh, so and your dad was w- on the back of Spliffy G? Yeah, yeah, my dad, my dad, yep, dad right, man, he's <laughs> where uh, Valenciaga and all that, and he used to have, and so he would have, um, he, w- he started on the jungle, and yeah. then my dad went to, obviously, the drum and bass, yeah. and then UK Garage, and he used to listen to the UK Garage, we used to have, always have that, uh, this, the woman singing on it, okay. you know, though, when it was like the soulful UK yeah. Garage and all that stuff, and then I saw, when I adopted it, it was sort of went more darker Garage, Okay, then when it's grime, yeah. and that's yeah. when I was coming up was more of a grime era. So when you were spitting, you was probably spitting on like The more happier
1: dark, stuff. The happier stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I when I fell out not so much fell out of love with it but grew out of it, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. It it was becoming more MC led. Yeah, yeah. So when I was into it, it was MCs were kinda like hosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my favourite MCs were the ones who were kinda like a, a well, customer. But they were master of ceremonies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean they love Oli Oli Ollie oi oi Yeah. Those guys I couldn't bear, right? <laughs> I'm from North London originally. I, right. I mean, I moved to South East when I was 14. But in North London, it was heartless or die. You know, yeah. if you were North London, you were heartless. If you were East, you were you were pay as you go. Do you want to to the other day? Go. I listened to um, pay as you go versus Heartless Crew, Destiny Watford. It, yeah, yeah, legendary.
2: and then it you know, only the you know, goes, it um, goes uh, pay as you go. Credit done. Yeah, maybe. that that line. It was just you hear the horns and that. Bushkin, go with that and
1: that. Yeah, it was that like mighty mo. And uh, Mighty Mo the, was my favourite MC. He was great. I spazzed out when I saw my Mo. He was wearing a beige pair of Harachis. Yeah. And he was wearing an off-key Machino shirt. And I was like, you don't even understand. You're yeah. my guy. Like, I remember um, Rose, our, our our art teacher, she used to let us call her by her Christian name. She used to let us play Heartless Crew tapes while we were doing art because it was the only thing that would shut us yeah. up and we'd just draw and we'd all be bopping yeah. along to Mighty Mo Pushkin funny.
2: Was Heartless Crew was the... I saw... I saw um, I saw them one time I saw what well, was no it was uh, Mighty Mo Bush no was it Bushkin there But I think Bushkin was there mm. it was Heartless crew and it might have been Bushkin just left so it might not have been there but I saw them in uh, Shoreditch at this club in Shoreditch it's the one in that
1: goes into the basement and it was just it was just great it listen just I, I, I love them, Heartless bro. so much um, my thirtieth birthday party, I had David Rodigan and Heartless play. Damn, that was that was that the soundtrack to my thirtieth birthday. David
2: Rodigan, that's another yeah. G. That's my. Guy, I love man. watching that guy. When I watch all these videos of him crashing. Yeah, and it's like David Rodigan in sandals. Yeah, in sandals, and socks, and d- no, and everyone's. Throwing up the gun finger, yeah. He's, and he's got and he's
1: got like he's got
2: dubs that no one ain't got, yeah. He's amazing, he's Ruttigan's got proper incredible.
1: war dubs. You can't go against Rudigan, man. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, yeah. I was a product of the, the UK garage era because of my age. Uh-huh. And you know, my, my cousins in South were listening to So Solid while we were listening to Heartless, and all my boys in East were listening to Pay As You Go yeah. and Wiley, and all of that graduated into something new, yeah, you know. Yeah. And essentially, what happened in East London ended up becoming Grime and mm-hmm. sort of ruled everything else irrelevant. Did you, and
2: Did you like Grime? I, I still do. I love
1: yeah. it. I love it. Um as Grime as Garage became Grime, it was really exciting because that was where you saw certain MCs elevate, like Kano, mm-hmm. who was a Garage MC and came from the same school as the rest of us of Mighty Mo and yeah. you know Major Ace and all these other, oh, uh, yeah, all these yeah, other MCs yeah. that we love did coming Major up. Pass away, I think? Pardon? Major I think Major passed he did, away. Yeah, he did, yeah, recently. Away, yeah recently. This year. This year he passed away earlier. Um but he, yeah, yeah, he, the MCs. he so came yeah. up in the same era um but then he graduated into grime you know when he made boys love girls it was like mm. wow that just yeah. and then when dizzy made i love you and that he was different. Like, the, i was making a i remember sorry. i remember
2: when that when that came out i love you i remember when that came out and I, well, I remember watching it was it was same as that and oi when that came out but mm. it's the same feeling it was just i all i wanted was that um, that daredevil jumper he had. <laughs> he had this cold yeah, yeah, daredevil jumper. And I remember when the Morefire crew came out, all I wanted was an lever. leather. Yeah. All I wanted was an Avrex leather and an R6 bike. <laughs> That's all I wanted, bro. I was 13, bro. All, yeah, I wanted was, yeah, yeah. all I
1: knew was I wanted this bike and that leather jacket. See, it was weird for me because we're all the same age. So mm. me, Diz, Kano, Lethal, all of us, we're all the same age. And we were all doing garage at the same time. They never heard of me because I never made it on the level mm. that they made it as a garage MC. But... To see the influence that they had when we were in our early twenties was incredible. I, you know, I, I stopped making music and I pivoted back to TV. Mm-hmm. But to see them be gods, you know, to see them walk on stage at Sidewinder or any of those or things and, and and just win—not yeah. Sidewinder, sorry, at uh, Eskimo, Eskimo and just win on a different level, be gods to kids was—it's mm. incredible.
2: Yeah, the what the one thing about Grime that I kind of—it's probably not f- enough thoughtful idea, but. It's, it, what, it when I was coming up, I mean, like I think Grime's sort of gone through. It's had the <laughs> Renaissance now, and it's sort of come back, and it's powerful. And you know, Stormzy has a great deal, and, and I saw Stormzy live for the first time. I was one of the best live performers I've seen in, in a long time. He he do can perform, especially I mean, you know the chosen one, great, m- amazing musician. But it's you know when it first came out, it's like because people were like, oh, this is like the new punk, but we just never treated it like it was cultural. We saw, just saw it as music, and we never held on to it like culture you know we never we never really appreciated what that music was and what came with that music you do know you and, it, and I, I do man I, mm. I, I do and I, I think I think we kind of let it go to cause like we you know because Grime was out and how long before it became commercialized and before we sort of you know gave it up a bit um, but I just feel like it's because it, that how culturally strong that impacted. Mm. It's only now we sort of look at it in hindsight and go, oh yeah, back then you know it was great. Because when punk was going on, those punks held on to it, mm. and they're like, this is punk, and this, you know what I'm saying, and right, they, you know. Right. But we never, and I feel like you know people with around my age group, you know, we I feel like we, you know, in hindsight, would be nice if we would have really you know me me
1: included i'm not yeah. saying I, I was i'm better than thou you know but the beautiful thing about that story mm. is that it didn't die it you didn't know die, it has no. had a renaissance and now you could argue it's stronger than ever mm. and that's the beautiful thing about garage now you've got people my age who are in their mid-30s who are able to go to garage raves again mm. and you know i've seen posters for sidewinder today yeah, 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 you yeah. know uh, all of those people that made the scene what it was are not just alive they're still kicking they're still mm. doing bits it's and seeing mc neat yeah, and sorry it's it's good to see like uh, the old mcs and that's still working yeah that's cool it's cool that they are still working but i think it's cool that there is still a scene for people to plug back into Mm. should you want to seek it out it Mm. still exists and it's a time capture man it's a beautiful moment and without giving too much away i'm actually making a project about the uk garage scene at the moment and i'm so excited for it to be real because it's my youth and when you think about some of your favorite coming-of-age films or coming-of-age projects You know, they capture and put in a bottle that lightning that was a Mm. moment that was really special to a generation of people and I don't think anyone's done that for UKG Mm. yet. So I'm really excited to be one of the people that is hopefully doing that. All right, man, I'm gonna let you go, Reggie. Um before we leave, I just Mm. wanna say thank you. Um,
2: you know, you're a man, you know, you are busy and you you know, you took out time for me today, I really appreciate it, man. I just wanna say I appreciate you and what you do and it sounds like, you know, and you you sort of you, you do it you do it with a certain walk. You do have a certain stride, and you're walking your way, and I respect that. Thank you, sir. You know, I appreciate and you that. and you're, know, you, you know, you're, you're, your kind brother too, and I do appreciate that as well. But you know, you're putting something out there that means something. And yeah. it's you know in the world where you know it'd be easy just to take the check, Yeah. you know, and no people out there don't understand that, but I understand that it's easy to take the check, brother. It's hard to to say no, yeah, for and to real. say you know I need to do it this way because it's right. It's, it's difficult to take the smaller check too. Yeah, yeah, it's The smaller right. check is usually the right difficult. check. Yeah, yep, yeah, right for real, and that's that's it, man. But you know you da- you're doing it your way. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's not easy to do it your way in this game, man. But you're doing it, and I
1: appreciate it. So thank you for come, uh, thank you for coming down, man. Can I, can I be really cheeky and plug something? No, of I don't normally plug things but I've just started my podcast again you know oh, yeah, you were, yeah, yeah. You were gracious it, enough it, to come on it. the previous iteration of yeah, my yeah. podcast which was Talk Stew we did 10 episodes of that and now we started again with the Reggie Yates podcast and that is really gathering some steam and it feels good and yeah. it's nice just to. just called the Reggie Yates podcast just called the Reggie Yates podcast guys so please subscribe listen, to listen li- subscribe to Reggie Yates podcast
2: after you listen to this one <laughs> go you know, pause this and go subscribe to Reddit you. Give course. me 5 stars. We Give him it. 5 stars too cuz he <laughs> deserves it. And he's, I know it's going to be good. I'm actually going to listen to that as well. I know Thank he's you got great guest coming down and and uh yeah, Andrew Pick up, you got the book out, the book still? You can still book still. Yeah, yeah, I mean
1: the the book, the book is out there and you you can get that wherever but what I wanted to say actually is and this isn't me trying to get you to come back over to my my show at all. This is about something that's way bigger than me. Uh, On the second episode of the show we had the deputy mayor of London come on and he spoke about uh, a 45 million pound fund that Sadiq Khan has ring fenced Uh for young creative projects. So if you are creative and you want to do something in your community, say you live in a council estate and you want to put on a film festival for your estate, Mm the London mayor has 45 million pounds to help make that, help make that happen. So please go online uh, and look it up. I don't know the URLs. It's not my initiative. Mm. It was something that was said and something that really excited me. Yeah. So if you I'm have something write that am going to now do,
2: And I'm going to Instagram that because that's amazing. Yeah. If and there's something that you, you want to do. Because you know what the problem is, is that like, there is some stuff out there for young creatives, but it's just hard to find it. Mm. And so if I if can, if I can be the vehicle for that me- message to get out there. there yeah. Go. So go, go out and look for that. And, um, yeah Reggie man you know you, you ain't going nowhere my brother you got you got you got a longer. are you chaining me here. to the chair what do you mean <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I've locked the door you ain't going nowhere we've got another hour left you kill me because we're finished yeah. <laughs> for real that's it is it you ain't going yeah. nowhere i re- already got my interview we don't need Reggie nowhere. no Nah. <laughs> but real talk man uh, I look forward to the next stuff you got coming out thank I know you. it's going to be great and uh, yeah man thank you so
1: much my brother thank you for having me
0: Jamali 9 nah. Jamali
1: Jamali 9000 from
2: Mars. Just land over max with the computer, my wings expand on Earth, around the universe. The superhero just written a verse. The J on my shirt for Jamali. Never using the Mali. Walking down the galaxy, computers on my hand. Built in like I'm a man. Machine since I was growing up with children. Mechanical rapper putting a robot flow together. I made a steal in any weather. Disguised more than Spider Man in a sweater. Optimus way after prime. Standing on top of the world, I gotta shine. Just like my pop's new Cadillac CT6. The
1: patch on my eye, I be Rick. The lyrics are slick, like new now wave
0: grease.